Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden. My guest for today's episode of the For Love and Money podcast has had many careers, radio broadcaster, creative director, donut maker and lecturer. Nick Robinson is passionate about using his creative skills to solve problems and make a positive difference. So in 2018, he set up his company, Good Citizens, with his young kids to take on the world's plastic issue. It would ultimately take 752 days and thousands of failed attempts to finally launch Good Citizens Eyewear in April 2020. Good Citizens has one mission, to untrash the planet by turning trash into good. They turn single-use plastic bottles into sunglasses frames, and the frames are 100% recycled and they're made in Australia. So within just a few months of launching, Good Citizens was awarded not one but two prestigious awards, the 2020 Good Design Awards and the Design Files Sustainable Idea of 2020 Plus, Selfridges in London gave the brand an entire window which looked amazing. Nick has become a leader in working with recycled materials and designing and manufacturing in-demand on-trend consumer products made from waste materials. He has spoken at the United Nations and he lectures at numerous Australian universities all to inspire the next generation to think cleverly about using recycled materials. Nick, welcome to the For Love and Money podcast. Thank you so much for taking um, the time out of your busy schedule to chat to us. What an honour. And can I hire you as my speechwriter? Because that was the nicest introduction. And it's funny, anyone that's listening to this, there's, you forget the highs and you, and you kind of just get lost in the day-to-day lows when you're, ch- when you're doing something new and challenging. So that does sound quite an impressive list. But I I always wonder why I get called an expert. I've never really been called an expert because I've spent most of the time failing. But I think <laughs> through all the failures, we've learned not how not to do it and, and found a path through. So, yeah, no, it's, it's really great to be uh, talking to you today. And do you know what? Thanks for, thanks for being so honest and, and sharing that about failure. It doesn't actually surprise me to hear that because I look at what you have been doing with Good Citizens and you're really leading, you know, you're forging a path forward. And when you're leading like that and you're not just following what, you know, the the well-trodden paths of others, you have to fail along the way because you've got to figure things out, don't you? Yeah, You've got to figure your way through it. It's a pretty weird place to operate, you know, as you said at the beginning, 752 days, two and a half thousand failed attempts. There's actually more failed attempts. We found a whole load of failed attempts in the loft. We were clearing the loft out and forgot that there was another couple, maybe probably another couple of thousand, right? So we've melted <laughs> it all down and it's gone, gone on to it, found a new home. But yeah, failures are really kind of, it's, it's a weird place because there's an excitement when you know you're getting close, but you have to have a really clear purpose to why you're doing this because there's no money coming in when you set up a business and mm. I you know I hope people that are listening to this are nodding going I absolutely get you you're not given a big paycheck you walk away from a check you're creating a job for yourself so there's a lot of spinning spinning plates but yeah and your story is is um even more interesting because of the fact that you've done this with 
with your family, with your sons. Um, and I can't wait to get into some of that story. But, but before we do, um, I want to ask you a question about love and, you know, thinking about purpose in business or just thinking about business generally even. What's your view on whether love has a role to play in it? Well, if there's no love, why are you doing it? And I think love can be interpreted into different ways. Like I obviously love my wife who's in, who's, who's a massive integral part of this business. Uh, I love my kids because they're a massive integral part of the business, but you know, together we, 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 we've got an amazing planet and, you know, the idea that we could maybe play our part in making it just a little bit better or restoring it to what it should be that's love and love for us has has been transformed into a purpose which is untrash the planet three really clear words that took a lot of thinking it was going to be un f-u-c-k the planet but when we realized the kids were involved that was a word they didn't know (laughs) they were so young and joss my wife was saying we can't say that but i'm like but we have we've completely royally f-u-c-k-e-d the planet so let's let's un f-u-c-k-e-d it. (laughs) But it became untrash and and that was kind of that's our rallying cry that's the thing that every decision in the business is driven through and it's really simple like i know you've got a background in marketing and people are super distracted in the world but if they know that the purpose of this business is to untrash their planet why would you not want to kind of get involved in many different ways hundred percent hundred percent right and um and you know, speaking to you and reading reading your backstory as well, um, and and just what you've just shared here as well. It all the failures, all the hard work, all the I'm sure disappointments along the way. You know, along with the wins along the way. I'm really keen to understand how much that love of of your family, the planet you know, doing something that you, you really care about that matters. Oh, it, it plays on Saturday. So I was going to say I've cried five times, now six, right? On Saturday last week, Harry and I were talking in Melbourne and, you know, we we're on stage and he stood next to me and I just had these parting words. I wanted to turn to him and say, I'm so proud of you, your brother and your mum, that together we've built this business. And I, I started crying. And Harry's on stage. He's mic'd up. The room, you know, it was at RMIT, big hall lots of people and there was just silence and it's like a ted talk so the counters going you're finished it's flashing you're finished and all i wanted to say was i'm proud and i started i just had a tear and i just choked up and then apparently people came up to me afterwards and said that was pretty much the most poignant moment because we could tell you care Mm. right and harry was like that's all right dad it's all right to have a cry (laughs) and i was just like you know it's not the only time i've done it from exasperation and exhaustion but love is, if I don't, yeah, I want to make it right. And that brings up all sorts of emotions mixed with tiredness and failure. You know, that's, that's the brutal truth. It's the brutal truth, but it's also the beautiful truth that when, um, you know, when you're driven by something like that, when it's important to you, when you care enough, mm. emotions come into it and you know, I think I think the the Titanic is turning, but business has not historically been a place for emotion, has it? I, no, I, th- I I don't know if this is on topic, but I, I I've started to say when you know I do lots of talks and I talk to big corporates now, and that's kind of fifty percent of our business is 
teaching the next generation at the universities and schools that recycling is actually a pretty cool place to be and it's going to you know you can really make a change uh but i so what was where, where was i going where was i going with this we're talking about hours. emotions emotions, yeah, emotions in business and I, I talk to businesses i think that uh businesses should show vulnerability because you know there are some very big businesses out there and we don't we, our fight is not with any other eyewear brand or any other brand on the planet our fight is with the mountain of plastic and i say to leaders that i have the you know sometimes meeting some highly influential people I'm humbled to be in their presence and to talk and just to chat. But I say to them, you know, it's okay to show vulnerability. And if you're a massive multi-billion dollar organization and you say, hey, we haven't done things right to this point, but we know that and we're going to make a change. And I say to these leaders, the, the, the change that's a 0.25 change that you make can actually transform an untrashed this planet. So vulnerability is good. What you can't do is make a 0.25% change and then get your marketing department to go out and tell the whole world through big TV and billboard campaigns that you are doing X, Y, Z, because it's a given. And I know it's hard for a business like ours, good citizens in the year 2018, you set up with the principles of doing the right thing. And I know there are very, very established businesses with very complicated supply chains, but show vulnerability because yeah. customers, they like to, if, if a friend confides in you, you love that person. Or if your boss confides in you, you love that person because they've, they've lowered their guard. So I think brands should do that. And that's how you get a meaningful connection. And we, from the beginning, have been very vulnerable. Not naive. It's been calculated naivety. But we've been really vulnerable and said, you know, this is us. If you want the Instagram perfect eyewear brand, we ain't that. Mm. We're, we're striving to not grow our Instagram following, but we're striving to actually make a change. And we're not even it really exist in the world of social media, but our failures have become our story. Hmm. I know we went a bit off track there, but vulnerability. No, do you know what? Do you know what? That that's gold, Nick, because you know, you're talking about vulnerability, but 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 vulnerability is linked to what you're talking about with transparency. And yeah. and that yeah. goes back to being human, you know, it it's not being that perfect package and presenting no. that to the world it's actually going we're on a mission here we're trying we're really trying and along the way we're going to make mistakes but but sharing all of you in that I, I feel like people today let's not call them consumers people citizens yeah. today god they they are crying out for that yeah, we, one of the first values that we wrote down was radical transparency, that we should be truly, truly, not just transparent, but radically transparent, right? And I mean, I go on TV with my kids. I go on podcasts with my kids. I go on stage, right, in front, you know, in front of a lot of people and they have a microphone and they contradict me and they say what they want to say. And we're talking about an eight, eight years old, right, stood there, which is amazing in itself because I've scared stiff at my age doing this they're just like yep and they don't understand when they contradict dad on stage but i give them the opportunity to have a voice that's transparency mm. that's you know? amazing. and it's pretty interesting but it's a why would you not like i'm not we're off in a hide and they've got a lot to bring yeah yeah absolutely and we're living at a time where people know that there are massive problems to solve and they know that it's not always going to be easy. 
Yeah. You know, I, 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 you look to Patagonia, the poster child of purpose, and they've made mistakes along the way and yeah. they've owned them and, you know, they've tried better once they've discovered that, you know, something that they were doing was actually going against what they stood for. They own it and they try better and they do things differently. And at the end of the day, I think that's all people want. They don't want this glossy package of, you know, just tell me all the good stuff. Yeah, and... I mean, yeah, I agree that what, what our customers want, our citizens, though, is a very sexy pair of sunglasses. No one buys charity. They want an exceedingly good, cool, yep. on-trend, classic, beautifully made pair of glasses. The fact then that, they're made from a plastic bottle, the entire thing, except the lenses by Carl's Eyes Vision, because we don't want to, your eyes are 12 times more sensitive than the skin. So we, we've partnered with them. But people don't buy, they, they buy a story, but first and foremost, will this product fit me, make me feel bloody great? And what we have is added joy, right? Added goodness. And it's interesting, that. you know, it's, but we've got to have a great product. Really 100%. 100% quality is the cost of um, of being at the table. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's so, what it says it's got to do. Let, let's, let's go back. Um, what I'd love is, for, is, is if you can share the backstory on Good Citizens with us. That would be awesome. Yeah, super quickly, 2018, uh, the world, every, Attenborough was doing his documentaries. You couldn't look on social media for seeing beaches full of plastic bottles and and rubbish and the animals, you know, a lot of charities were doing their part to play in raising awareness. My kids were learning a lot at school about the, the, the ocean and plastic. And my boss at the time went to Thailand and I told him to visit Krabby. And he wrote a message on LinkedIn saying, at Krabby, but can't get anywhere near the beach because it's full of plastic bottles. And the way I describe it is that the kids came home from school, they were upset. I was upset looking at this and I felt like, a Formula One racing car driver sat on the grid and all the, as the four starting lights come on in succession, so the kids talking, stuff happening in the media, the Attenborough, my boss was the final light and I just, I don't know, something snapped in my brain and the kids and I and Joss sat there and thought, what can we do? As a joke, really, just a dinner time chat. And we kind of shook hands and the value I've always said to the kids is if you shake someone's hand, you have to deliver on what you said. And I said, yeah, let's sort it. And they went, okay. And the story started there at the kitchen table and we wrote a business plan, which is a single page with four very simple rules. I only use recycled waste. No one or the planet should get taken advantage of. Whatever we make should be repairable or fixable. And then Harry said, everybody that works with us should get time with their kids or their families or their animals. Because. I love that. Go, go through those four things again. So only make things from recycled plastic or materials. Because yep. there's a lot of people at Greenwash and say, oh, we're ocean waste plastic. And it's 5% ocean waste plastic, 95% bonding agent. So cut the bullshit. Gotcha. Right. That's, that was frustrating. Yeah. Only make things that last and can be repaired. No one or the planet should be taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And that even comes down to our pricing. And four... Anybody who works with us gets time with their loved ones, family or, or animals because community is key, right? And we don't want people working at the weekends. And I've worked seven days a week for four years. But 
luckily for me that rule doesn't get broken because the kids are with me at weekends and we're mucking about in the warehouse and and the, and, and the factory and we're mucking about in the workshop fixing things it's like a big school project to them I love it mucking about we do a lot of mucking about <laughs> fantastic so when you wrote this business plan yeah. did you know that it was eye eyewear you were going no. into no we had a plastic bottle that we'd found in our local suburb and we looked at it and we had it on the table and we weighed it I think Harry got a pair of glasses out and put them on and they were like within a gram of weight and he's like what about these and so you know I kind of went away for a few days and came back with some thoughts and went okay one bottle could make one pair but then the hinge we have to design the hinge and we had no experience in this at all but it's common sense and we you know we were talking going if imagine if you bought a car and you couldn't repair it so why would you buy a pair of glasses and not have them repairable because they break at the hinge and people buy all these bioacetate eyewear frames and that's great but it's still got a metal hinge in it and if it gets mm. sent to recycling the computer says no there's no little secret goblin at the at the at the recycling center with a little screwdriver set pulling that hinge apart and the wire cores in the arms it just says it's a mixed material flips it into landfill so mm. we needed to design something that was made of a singular material one plastic that when the lenses are removed it's a, it's a clean source of recycling it makes it very recyclable and and so when you approach this how i mean to do the design to all, all the parts of bringing this product to life how yeah. how did you go about it uh, i basically on the mon this was the thursday on the monday i kind of sat at work we already had our own business so what were I, you doing at that time nick i was I was in the end, well, I was, I'd just come out of a job as head of content in the entertainment game. So I was kind of responsible for a music brand called Vivo, their local content. They make lots of music videos. And I was looking after things like Take 40 and lots of radio shows and stuff, right? So I was, it was a fairly responsible job, but it was also a very creative job because I had an amazing team of producers and executive producers and a, that would essentially make me look good, right? But I was the one driving driving what was going on but I did that and, and and came out and was literally sat in a room with two walls one with a, a bunch of post-it notes and I wrote down what I thought I knew and what I thought we needed to know and one wall was very full of the things that I think we needed to know and one by one over four months I agreed with Joss that we'd I'd take a cut on my I wouldn't go and get a job and we just basically worked by one, one by one, wrote, took a post-it note off and found an answer and stuck it on the left-hand wall. It's really simple, but we got to the stage where we went, right, let's do this and let's put some money into design. So we found a design agency and we worked with them. And luckily for me, I'm a creative director. So I'm very visual. I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm very highly dyslexic, but I've got a, you know, dad's background as a shoe designer. Maybe I've picked up some of that kind of logic and thinking, but work with the design team to create a concept of repairability a concept where it's only a bottle and then from there we we you know set about actually making the machines and that was 18 months of trial and terror not error but trial <laughs> and terror and we get asked a lot how much did this all cost and we broke up the research phase we could have bought half a golf gti the design phase was a golf and a quarter gti and then the trial and terror was nine golf gtis the oh, kids wow. were, and you know that's a lot of money for we committed that as a family but as we got deeper into the project 
we the, the three simple words of untrash the planet and coming home every day to the kids going, have we done it? No. And I one thing as a dad was difficult because and as a husband, because Joss is supportive. The kids see dad's gloomy, upset face and think that actually we ain't going to solve the world or save the world. And it's like, no, 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 no. So I realized early on that they they don't have a this isn't to, you know, put them down, but they haven't been on the planet that long and they don't understand how adults can assess a problem. And it actually doesn't mean what the face doesn't mean what really is happening. We're just a bit annoyed, but to them, it's like it's the end of the world. Mm. So that was, Your face is reflecting one particular problem, yeah. not the bigger picture. Yeah, and yes, Dad's upset because the hinge now is on its, you know, it's on its fifty-third iteration, and it's, you know, why don't you just put a metal hinge in, Dad? Well, we can't do that because it isn't repairable, and it goes against our little rules that we wrote down at the beginning, which is be repairable and do the right thing. So. Yeah, that was a long process. That was 18 months. That was kind of the process. And then we basically launched the day that the world went into lockdown. We sent Shopify live. The kids were meant to be at school. They were obviously in the workshop. And I'm massively dyslexic and struggle with language. Okay at talking, but writing down, very, very poor. The kids have better language skills than I do. So I homeschooling was very, very tough for me. So whilst Josh taught them the basics, I taught them the things I was learning, which was what's, what does cost of goods mean? How does it work if we need to make a machine that makes eight hinges? How many pairs will that make? And if the machine makes a pair of hinges every 17 seconds, how many can we make in an hour? And Archie was just like, oh, yeah, I can do this. So he's writing it all down. And it was just, it was chaos, but kind of good chaos. And we, went, we basically worked together for six months as a family in lockdown and, and launch the business. That's amazing. That's amazing. And there's so there's so much in that. It's your four-point business plan. Sounds so simple. And yet what you're sharing now is, you know, the whole business has been built on that ethos. Still so, is. Yeah. yeah. Like we have so, we have a really complicated business plan that like investors will ring us and say, we want to invest. Show us your business plan. So you I have actually shown, it's written on a post-it note. And when we did the Selfridges thing, I actually went to England and had a bottle, a prototype and a post-it note with four dot points on it. And that's what I presented to the general Brilliant. manager and someone massively influential in the fashion game. And they were waiting for me to like pull all the stops out. And I went, there's the bottle. That's how we're going to do it. And that's what we're going to make. And how did they respond? They were bemused, but they contacted me, right? Because they'd heard this failed story and this audacity that you think you can do this. And, you know, we, we ended up getting a window next to Prada for three months in a very beautiful spot. And they booted Gucci out of their spot inside. And so there you go. I love that. I love so that. I and it's I a brilliant was, window as well. Oh, it's a beautiful window. And that was going to catapult the brand into the fashion stratosphere. But COVID hit. Oxford Street was closed down in London. Selvages closed for a month. So we, we didn't get the, the big kind of launch that we were hoping. Harry and I couldn't fly back to London to launch it. I kind of miss moments, but oh, it's just part of the story, isn't it? But the story continues to unfold. I, I just want to take a moment and make sure that our listeners understand your full proposition. Um, so can you, can you just 
like give us that clear proposition. It appears on your website on the homepage really, really clearly. Can you just share that with us for a moment? Which proposition is it about? So we, we turn trash into good. Yeah. That's what we do as a business. We happen at the moment to turn a plastic bottle into a pair of eyewear frames. And that happens in Sydney. And that happens under our watchful eye. So we can ensure that the quality is high and no one is taken advantage of. That's essentially who we are. And we do, our brand is called Good Citizens because everyone wants to be perceived as good on the planet. And you ultimately, it doesn't matter what football team you support, what colour your hair is, what bike you ride, what car you drive, what football team you're into, you're ultimately a citizen of this one planet. So if you're going to be here, be a good citizen because that equals just doing the right thing. And if everybody in this world just did the right thing and a little thing, how great would the world be? That's essentially our brand. Absolutely. And um, you talked about it's 100% recycled materials. Yeah, we re- the more we looked into this at the beginning, we realised there's a lot of eyewear brands and a lot of other consumer brands saying that they're recyclable or they use recycled materials. And I just asked people listening to this to actually email them and say, what percentage of recycled material is in your product? Like what percentage? If they can't give you an answer, then the answer is probably that it's a higher percentage of virgin material mixed in, but they're claiming it to be a recycled product. Mm, And that's fibbing. It's greenwashing and it's fibbing. And there's a lot of brands that, you know, make products and, and heavily, heavily use a sustainability message to get customers. And it happens across all industries and it's greenwashing, it's fibbing, it's lying and duping people. And, and that's kind of sad because there are a couple and we're not perfect. I just want to say that we're not we're not perfect by any means, but it kind of wrecks it for everyone when a brand blatantly lies and a customer finds out they're like, oh, I've kind of trusted that process or I trusted that person or that brand. And, and that, I wonder if the, the other things I've got in my wardrobe or that I'm yeah. driving around and if that's also are they taking me for a ride? Trust, trust is the currency, right? It's the currency that you operate on, and yeah. it doesn't matter what you do. Um, but that 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 currency can be compromised when others start doing the wrong thing as well, and that must be deeply frustrating. It is, but you know, we we have a rule, number one rule: only use one hundred percent recycled materials. That has been challenged greatly by some pretty, I've got to say, pretty key influential people in their industry and I've had meetings with them and they're like, look, can we, how stuck to that are you? And I'm completely, Joss and the kids are completely committed to hundred percent recycled on bottles, but we've realized that there's power in our story. We can't solve the problem of the plastic issue, but our story and our, we're kind of a, a platform. So we are looking at doing other materials and other products that aren't necessarily hundred percent recycled but they might be 95% recycled, but that 5% of whatever we put in will prolong the longevity of that product by 10 years. So that's a, that's a really good thing to do. But we'll be honest. Mm, that's the key, isn't it? You might yeah. not be perfect, but it's that transparency, that vulnerability, uh, that we'll, honesty. Yeah, we'll be radically transparent. Brilliant. I'm curious... Um, how much influence 
your boys, your wife, your family have had on the decisions you've had to make in the business? I mean, you know, you've talked to us about some of, you know, how how challenging it was to solve the, um, what do you call it? The, the, the hinge, hinge, hinge issue. Area, yeah. And I guess I'm wondering if it weren't for your kids and your family being an integral part of this, mm. um, might you have made some compromises along the way earlier, do you think? I don't think I would have made a compromise, but I may have said this is too hard. Because it's in my nature not to give up. I'm like, everyone knows me. He's a dog with a bone. Like if, if Nick says he's going to build a rocket and go to the moon, oh, God. You know, <laughs> that, that, not that I'm anyone special, but I'm just tenacious and I don't like injustice. So, yes, it's, it, that's in my nature. But I have to say, the kids and Joss, Joss is very pragmatic and super sensible i'm pragmatic and at times absolutely crazy but it's the crazy moments that make the magic right and, yeah and, and i operate in a very different way to a lot of people uh but the kids have definitely kept us on track because they're the reason that ultimately i'm on this planet for however long Our, my generation has absolutely trashed this planet so I'm just here to play my part in untrashing it. Yeah. So the kids have been, the kids have a 20, so Harry has 25% ownership and say, Archie has 25% ownership and say, and Joss and I together share 50%. Now we have had quite a few brands approach us to work on projects with them, which would have absolutely and utterly knocked our, but you know, our, our forecasting out of the park, we would have made a lot of money. And three of us at the time have said, no, Archie wanted to buy a Lamborghini because he's eight years old and he just he wanted the lime green Lamborghini. He like, <laughs> he's, he's stuck into YouTube and he's like, I want one of them. And he's also going through a phase of he wants to live in LA because he wants to be a rapper. And it's hilarious. Right? <laughs> but we decided not to work with a couple of brands because all of us agreed. Now, ultimately, Joss and I duel and get to the final decision, but we always ask the kids. And, and, you know, one lesson early on, Harry said to me a year in, Dad, most people would have given up, but you haven't. And I just rang Joss walking back from school when I dropped him off and said, no matter what happens, we've already won because he's seen never to give up. And now he sees, and I constantly remind him, like I whispered in his ear on Saturday, we went to RMIT in Melbourne to talk. I said, look out at that crowd. That's because we never gave up. Oh, amazing. That, and they bought tickets to listen to our story and others. But that remember that moment? He's like, I remember that moment. And I said, remember this moment because we didn't give up. That's why we're here. And they, they've, they've come to listen to our failures. <laughs> that's a great way of looking at it. But, but you know, that, that's because of the stakes, isn't it? You know, the stakes that you're playing for yeah. matter. Yeah, big time. It's a funny one when people talk about money. We don't shy away. We're not even a charity. We're not really a social enterprise. We're a business, right? We want to make lots of money. Yeah. And, and people go, that's a really, whoa, wow, wow. How can you say that? But tethered to lots of money is lots of impact. Exactly. So when we are looking at what we made this month, you know, we remove 10 kilos. Of, we prevent 10 kilos of CO2 from going to the atmosphere through a group called C to zero, right? 
and that happens. We remove seven and a half bottles are used in the process of which four we remove from the ocean, but that doesn't come into our production line. That's the gift from the citizens of the planet. And when they bought, they find out we've actually done things for them on behalf of them for the planet. And we're, we're funding a few other things. All our money's going into R&D at the moment, but we have plans, big plans, outrageous plans, but we need money to get to stage two. And some of these outrageous plans may happen in 10 years time, but unless we're making money now, we can't make impact. If we can't make impact, then I'll just go and get a better paid job somewhere doing what I used to do. But 100%. So yeah, we need to make we need to make the coin to make the change. That's awesome to hear. You're speaking the language of this podcast, which is, you know, love and money and yeah. profit is absolutely vital, essential, um, if you're serious about the impact you want to make um, yeah. and making it at scale. So yeah, 100%. Enjoying the podcast? If you're looking for more inspiration, head to our website, thecauseeffect.com.au for more resources on how you can start using your business as a force for good. Or buy the For Love and Money book. Every copy sold allows us to protect one square metre of rainforest. Help us save 10,000 square metres by 2025. The other part of your proposition is 100% repairable. Yep. That, um, I love that because um, it, it's, you're, you're not adding to the problem. You're not, you're not, you know, driving consumerism for the sake of consumerism. But that's got to be a hard business model as well. I mean, first question I have is, do many of your citizens repair? Yes, but we haven't had many, which is really interesting. So I'll give you a number. Let's, let's, let's say for the... We've had 21 breakages, right? Wow, that's it. Now, yeah, and maybe 40 returns, say, out of 10. Let's just say we've, we've had more than 10,000 customers, but, like, more, and that's not counting how many times people have bought, and some people have bought 300 pairs for their business, right? But we've had 40 Oh, that's returns. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so it's a really weird, it's a number I think we should probably put on our website. Yes. Consumer confidence. Out of the 21 that have broke, Maybe there was a little air bubble caught, a little soda bubble that we couldn't see, but they get an instant repair or a brand new pair. Because we, we, we're, we're at the front, we're, we're pioneering, I hate to say that, but we are. We're at the front edge, right, of what can a material do? And so we've got 10,000-odd citizens testing our glasses every day. Now, one guy, he made my year. He basically wrote this email saying, I need a new arm. Drew, he was called, and he's, he was quite short on email. Need a new arm. How do we fix? So I just wrote back going, and how did you break your arm, Drew? And he wrote back saying, oh, well, I was at a party and I was stood on a beach ball in the pool <laughs> and I got the record and I face planted, but the record of eight seconds still stands. So I wrote back going, our warranty covers alcohol-related pool party antics. And you get a brand new arm. And three days later, <laughs> we'd made the arm, posted it, he fixed it, his little, little instruction video. And he wrote back going, I absolutely love you more. So a lesson for people listening to this is like, we enjoy it when we get a customer. We don't really get many complaints, to be honest, but they're still amusing. There's some real keyboard warriors out there that still want to pick a fight with you for absolutely no reason. But, you know, when we do get someone coming back and we were able to resolve their problem with a repair, they love you 10 times more. 
So we're not afraid of that because it's just, it's, it's road testing, right? And they get a brand new pair, whatever. Yeah. yeah here's a new pair. Yeah. And so no, no questions asked. It's like you've dipped your hand in your pocket and believed in a brand. That, and we have been honest. We have never done this before, but we aren't building a rocket to get to the moon. So it's not life-threatening, but we are trying to do something different. And there is a real flavor person that is actually massively behind what we're trying to do. And people love you. Like you said, that guy loves you even more. And yeah. he would be telling that story. And I've told, like, I, I spoke in Dubai recently at the Re Global Retail Summit. And I told this story. And, you know, I was sandwiched in between. The CEO or the president of Mercedes was on after me. And I was, in, it was, in, I was talking directly after the guy that is now the CEO of Trasadi and was the CEO of Mark Jacobs and C CFO of Prada. So we're talking... I'm sandwiched between two big hitters <laughs> and I walk on stage, bloke, Yorkshire bloke, no experience in the fashion game. Like I look at what I was wearing on stage, right? Going, oh, I need to start <laughs> my act up. And I just stood there and I, I gave, these are our rules and these are our principles. And one of them is about uniting a citizen through a common goal. And I talked about Drew going, don't be afraid. We don't call them customers. We call them, we don't call them, you know, they're not a transaction. They're a human being and they're a citizen. And I just told this story of Drew and it was just this massive uproar of applause because, again, it's a vulnerability. It's like we're not afraid to say if things don't work, but Drew's a real hero. And here I and I, and I, and I actually screen grabbed the conversation Drew and I had and just put it on these big screens. Oh, brilliant. That Drew has been talked about all around the world. You know, brilliant. His antics and his, and his alcohol-related antics on a beach ball. But he's a good citizen. Yeah. And I love that um, uniting citizens through a common goal. So I reached out to you to be on this podcast. I'm a good citizen. Yeah, you I, bought. I bought a pair, um, I think, just around a year ago. Um, I did my research. I actually went into Sunglass Hut and said, can you show me your sustainable range? And they, they literally scratched their heads and they were going, oh, I don't, I don't know if we have that. And, um, and they started doing research and, you know, just Googling in the store to see which of the brands that they stocked yeah. were sustainable. And they were scratching around in the dirt. Um, and so I went away and I started doing my own research. And there were a few brands that came up, but, um, but yours, you know, I, I went with yours. Well, I can't even remember all the reasons, but... There were many. It wasn't just one. It was you were doing this and you were doing this and then the story behind it. Yeah. There, were, there are so many reasons to love what you are doing. And when you talk about uniting citizens through a common goal, every time I put on my sunnies, I just get this little hit of feel good, right? Yeah, and that's, that's lovely to hear. And that genuinely is. And... When we designed the hinge, we, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but when I was Harry's age, I would drive around the Lake District in England with my granddad and his brown VW camper van. And I couldn't understand why he'd go, quick, quick, wave. And then we'd get a flash of lights. And I realized, oh, there's someone else in a camper van. And so there's this little <laughs> moment of joy erupting. It happens with people that own minis, you know, Citroen 2 CVs, classic cars. If you see someone, you're in my club. So we, we decided as a family, we'd get some inbuilt joy. And that's why our hinge, the stripe, citizens have to be able to see each other from 40 meters away. And we constantly get emails from people saying, I was on a walk 
And then I walked past this person on this track in the middle of nowhere. And then we both stopped and turned around and went, I bloody love you. You're a good citizen. And then they compared what number they were. And they actually walked for a while. Right. One yeah. stopped their direction and walked. And we get those stories all the time. A friend of mine was at a funeral. He's quite tall. His uncle's tall. He hadn't seen for many years. And they both looked across and realized they were both wearing glasses. And Adrian's uncle makes bespoke motorbikes. Adrian's a corporate guy, but they had this lovely moment of just chatting after the funeral about, oh, and Adrian's like, that's a mate of mine. And, you know, and he's like, oh, I love these glasses. And so Adrian felt really good too. And he felt like he was in a good club. That's it. And so what, what you're talking about is um, shared narrative, right? Yeah. And I talk about this a lot. I've written about it in my book. Um, it's a common theme actually, even on this podcast. Um, and I, you would know Seth Godin. Yes. Yeah. Not personally, so he, but I've heard of him. You never know. <laughs> it might be personally soon. But he talks a lot about tribes and people like us. People like us do things like this. And yep. in the age of purpose, and he talks about this as well, you know, this idea of people like us believe things like this is so, so powerful. So when you see a fellow good citizen, um, it's that shared narrative. And, you know, you and I both have a marketing background. So we know all about targeting and target audience and looking at what, Of you which know. I've forgotten now when I'm in this job, I'm scrabbling around going, how do I do this? Because I'm so, don't know, when you're in your own business, you get lost in the day, it's, you get lost in it and the fog of it and you yeah. almost, yeah. And it's like they say, you know, um, never ask a plumber to do his own plumbing. Never ask a marketer to do their no, own marketing. I mean, it's a disaster zone <laughs> back at our office. But but this this shared narrative is so powerful, and it goes beyond the traditional advertising targeting of demographics. It goes beyond the needs. I mean, the needs are important, but it's that common belief. It's like. You know, this is what I care about. This is what I believe. This is my worldview. And it goes to the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves yeah. and what we do as a result, you know, to, to live out those stories is, I reckon it's the most powerful thing you can tap into and tapping into it to create positive impact is, um, is massive. Do, do you remember Airbnb's um, Australian campaign in the lead up to the marriage equality postal no, vote? No, I did no. It was called Until We All Belong. Right, okay, lovely. And they created a, um, a ring that had a gap in it. Yep. And that gap represented the gap in marriage equality. Nice. And they got it designed by some designer and they made it available for free to anybody, you didn't have to be an Airbnb customer. Um, so you, you got it for free, you paid postage and handling and you wore it as a symbol of your support. Yes. So I had my ring and I, I remember sitting on the bus and seeing someone else with that ring. And it's exactly what you talked about, you know, with good citizens and recognizing the glasses. It's that moment of shared understanding and appreciation oh yeah. absolutely and we ultimately want to feel connected to the right kind of people our tribe yeah. and 
it's very hard for a brand to play in this space because it's got to come from a place of authenticity. But we we set out to solve a problem or play our part in solving a problem first, you know, and we had investors come and knock on our door, door early on and they were going, right, can we see this, this and this and this? And we did, Joss and I used to laugh going, we feel like we're on an episode of Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, right? But they're coming to us. We weren't ready. That mm. wasn't where our brand needed to be because if you took investment at that stage, they start to drive the narrative about an exit and they wanted to, you know, return on investment. Well, my return on the investment of my family's time is, is doing it the right way. And when we're ready, yeah, we will absolutely scale the hell out of this. And that will be part of the next part of our story that we turned down six investment opportunities in the first year. Makes it sound like we're really successful. We're not. We just didn't, we didn't have the headspace to entertain that. The headspace was required to problem solve and learn and get to first base. So to do it to do it the right we're doing it the right way to build the business properly on the principles that you set out yeah and it, and, and there's, a, there's always a people that will ring you and go oh well if you don't do it, if you haven't taken investment in the next year there's going to be someone else that's going to come in and steal your thunder mm. and and I'm like I, of course the fear kicks in you lie in bed at night going oh should I've taken that investment should we have hired those three people should we've done this to it and it's, it just didn't feel right. It still doesn't feel 100% right to do that. But when it is right, we'll, we may not get investment, but it is what I it think, is. Yeah, it is what it is. And I suspect, you know, you've established, you've established something of immense value. I, you know, I don't know about the dollar value at this stage, but in terms of the trust you're building and the goodwill that you're building with your citizens, it's enormous. Yeah, um, I, 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 what I have done, which is really interesting, is I've written to three people on this planet that in, have inspired me, like seriously inspired me. And I've uh, written to them and three have written back. Right, and the kids wrote to Attenborough and he wrote back. Amazing. So they've got a little letter from him and I won't say what's in it, but it's beautiful. And that his response came back to Harry and Archie within 10 days of the letter arriving at his house. So I wrote to three people that I love that, you know, one's massive in the fashion game. And Joss, I remember one Saturday morning, she goes, check your email. I'm like, I'm not checking my email. And there's a picture of this person wearing our glasses. And, you know, I've never, I won't share, but it's just, I had a lot of lovely interactions with them. And I just said to Joss, we've built something of value. Mm. Might not be a monetary value, but that individual, read those words, right? That Read what they've written. That means a lot because they are highly successful, highly influential, and they genuinely believe. And they've trusted us to actually send a picture and write a letter and do a few of the things, knowing that we've got integrity too. And we're not yeah. going to bloody Instagram the hell out of it to try and get sales. Yeah. But I realize, you know, there is value in, in that. And, and, I, and when I have a low moment or I'm having a confused moment around stuff, which you do in business, I just pull my, in my drawer. I've got just a little box with the pictures in and the letters. And I just put, look at them and just go, right, I've got to keep going because I can't disappoint those people. You know? Yeah. Just private. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, it seems to me you've already won with the business. Yeah. You know, with what I you've achieved. We, I, I feel we have. I feel that we've, but the planet hasn't won yet. No. No. And you've started that journey. There's 8 billion people on the planet. Be lovely to have everybody wearing our product. But eyewear is not, we're not an eyewear business. We're a business that turns the most undesirable trash in the world to good, to products. Mm. Like you said at the beginning, in demand products that people go, I've got an option. Option A, made by the bad guys. Option B, made by the good citizens. I'll go option B. That's where, that's where our strategy is. So have you got your eye on, like what categories have you got your eye on? Or do you not want to talk about that at the moment? Oh, I do, I do. But I've learned very quickly that I've only got so much time in a day. And so I've pulled back and one of the categories we were going to invest some money into and then the world stops with COVID. So thank God, you know, even if we had lots of money for investment, it's time and focus. And so mm. right now our time and focus, 50% is on creating the world's most beautiful eyewear. Notice I didn't even say sustainable then. It's just like just the most beautiful eyewear. Yeah. Beauty equals well-made, great looking that'll last from generation to generation and then you know yeah the fact that it's sustainable well why shouldn't every business be sustainable there's going to be a point in the world where hopefully as we go towards our un to 2030 goal that it's an it's just like of course i'm sustainable yeah why, why would it not be that shouldn't be the question you know it's a given that businesses have got their act together mm. or are on way to and it's not just the direct impact you're having with your business. The more successful good citizens becomes, the more impact you have on your category. Yeah, and I know we've poked the bear a bit, and I, know, I do know because I've met, you know, there are a couple of people that control the global eyewear game, and I've been fortunate enough to have meetings with them. But they're not even a meeting. It's just a chat. Yeah. It's like a coffee. And, well, it all starts there, doesn't it? Yeah, and but it, you know, I realise now there are people nipping at our heels, but they're not good citizens. They're, but it's good in a way. And you know, we've we got an email from a customer, a good citizen like yourself, and he's in the building trade, and he a very, very, very successful business. And he said, actually, I watched what you were doing with the boys, and we've now gone into kind of passive homes and sustainability. We've brought right into the business, and I just read the email out to. So Joss and the kids going, we've already won that person. Now they're building thousands of homes that have got a sustainability slant to them. And he actually said business has gone really well because it had to happen. And it was hard. 18 months, you had to you know, change supply chains. My best friend, Dave, he's, he's a property developer. And he's, you know, if he's got 15 buildings under his watch, every one of them now is run on sustainable energy. And every tap now has a special thing in it so it doesn't drip. And every light switch has a timer on it. And so ultimately he feels really kind of good around what he's doing. And, and it's because he bought a pair of our glasses. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But that is, that is the impact a brand can have on people. It's the ripple effect. And, and people control know... businesses. And, and, and people that we've met run countries. Like we've met yeah. prime ministers and we've had one-on-one -on -one time with them. And we've had you know, seriously, like long times with these people just talking and trying to get the agenda on. And, and you realize that, you know, six months later, you read something and you go, God, God, we made, we, we were, 
they're using our language. And that's just the the people you hear about. I mean, you're having impacts without any doubt where you're not hearing about that impact. But, you know, it could just be stuff that's happening without you knowing. But the simple fact that you have built a business that is solving the problems of the world today, that, you know, the really critical problems, not, not we're playing, you know, playing, yeah, we're trying to solve them that, yeah, we're, we're playing yeah. a very small part, but you're right. Like I do, we do get emails from some people going, well, plastic still being made and it's only one bottle. And I'm like, well, actually it's more than one. It's two and a half to make the case. It's a quarter of a bottle to make the cleaning cloth. All our packaging is hundred percent recycled. Uh, the only thing that isn't is the lenses, but sure. Right. Yet yeah, you could beat us up for any, you know, finding a new home for seven and a half bottles, but you know, uh, yeah. And you can times that by how many pairs we sell a year and yes, it's tiny, but it's the story. It's the fact that, you know, we, we do get some prime time spots to talk to people of influence, some publicly, some privately people. It must be so frightening as a big CEO, you know, being in charge of a vision of a big business and, and shareholders breathing yeah. down their neck and boards, right. And chairmen's. Yeah. And, and, you know, he or she, the CEO, putting a stake and making a stance going right i'm going to risk it's a pretty lonely place and so we do get those kinds of people ringing us for a chat because yeah. they just want to know what's absolutely. going on absolutely absolutely of and course we're honored that we get them ringing us because they, they know how to run a global supply chain i don't but we talk for half an hour they talk for half an hour and we exchange phone numbers and some of them my class is friends now fantastic and what that is evidence of is what you're achieving, which is, you know, beyond your purpose to untrash the planet, you're inspiring solutions to the environmental crisis. Yeah, and, and everybody can play their very small part, but yeah. if 8 billion people will play a very small part, like we're not even in the energy sector, but imagine if everyone just switched off their light upstairs and while they were downstairs watching TV and that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's all those small actions little that things. level out. 100%. It's just a little good citizen act, right? It's just a good little 100%. 100%. So we're coming to the end and I want to ask you, what's the thing you're most proud of from your journey to date? That we Just that we executed it. We actually did it. We didn't give up. That that's That's the thing I'm most proud of. There are moments where... You know, there's a physical thing happened like the window at Selfridges or, you know, the kids having the opportunity to meet the prime minister and have some one-on-one -on -one time with the environment minister. And, you know, they're, they're proud moments because whilst people at the time didn't necessarily agree with meeting certain people, you have to sometimes have difficult conversations with people that run countries because they make the decision they, mm. It stems. And so I'm proud of the fact that we weathered that storm and we actually, we just kind of chatted to them like they were just normal human beings. I was really proud of that. We didn't treat them in any different way because, well, kids don't, do they? No. <laughs> I've got to say, it's some of the moments I'm just cringing going, oh my God, do we bow here or what? And the kids are like, <laughs> kids are giving them a fist bump. And this was, you know. Like, <laughs> I love that. It's like, 
wow, can I have a selfie? And it's like, I, I don't do selfies. I'm not that generation. But it's like, kids are like, can I have a selfie? I'm like, you don't ask this person for a selfie. <laughs> did they get a selfie? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh, see? Funny. And then I photobombed one of them and got into all sorts of trouble. Uh, but I'm proud of the fact that we've just done it. And I'm proud yeah. of the fact that every time our Shopify goes ding, that's a person that's A, buying, so funding our journey and funding change, but believing in essentially a six-year-old, a seven-year-old and a mum and dad that good things can happen. Love that. I love that. And it, it takes me back to a quote I saw. So the conference that you were talking about um, in Melbourne, was that yeah. the Social Good Summit? Yeah, the Social Good Summit. Yeah, and I read something um, that someone said um, what, the highlight from the summit for them was from Nick, founder of Good Citizens Eyewear, when referring to his business partner, 11-year-old year son, my duty is to inspire him to do the right thing. And that's, why, that's when I started crying because I wanted to say to him, you know, you have the power to do this. Yeah. And, and I couldn't get my words out. And, you know, I think that, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's essentially, you don't want your kids to grow up to be rat bags. You just want them to, but they're going to, they're going to find their own way in life. But I would just hope that, you know, there's instilled love to do the right thing. Yeah. That's a beautiful note to end on instilled love to do the right thing can you share with our listeners please go and have a have a look at their website um i have had my sunnies for almost a year now i love them they are beautiful they are beautiful to look at um, but they're beautiful in more ways than that check out the website can you um give uh, the yeah, details? You could, yeah goodcitizens.com.au you can also go to goodcitizens underscore official on social media and give us a little like and if you do fancy a pair of sunnies or we do prescription but use the code this is it the kids now have said right you need to start you know get some more orders in so if you type in at checkout friend 20 in capital letters friend 20 you'll get 20 dollars off and uh, you'll be supporting a great cause but yeah you can find our details there Fantastic. We will put um, we'll put all of the links into the show notes. Um, we'll put a link to the Selfridges window into the show notes as well because it's just super cool. Friend twenty that'll be in the show notes as well. I hope you get lots of new customers from this podcast. If you're listening to this and you know someone who would appreciate it, please um, pass it on, share it, and let's try and create more good citizens in the world. Nick, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story. Great, great to be on your show, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember, Doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?